0: At this point in Mark, we are noticing that Jesus and his disciples, they're on the way to Jerusalem, um, and that's really what they're doing. They're on that road. They traveled through Perea, they crossed the Jordan River, and they're headed through the road that goes through Jericho to Jerusalem, and that's where we're really going to pick up the story. Jesus has had a lot of things to say to his disciples along the road, some interesting conversations, but very important ones. And now what we're going to find is there's a man that encounters Jesus as he's on his way to Jerusalem going through Jericho. And we're going to meet blind Bartimaeus. And we're going to start in verse 46, Mark chapter 10. Here's what the Bible says. Then they came to Jericho and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples. And a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting on the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out, and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him or rebuking him to be quiet, but he kept crying out, all the more. I wanted to call this all the more. That's what I would have named the time. If, you if you're taking notes, t- just write down all the more. That have been. I got another service, so we can go back. He cried out, all the more, son of David, Have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and he came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight And he began to follow Jesus along the road. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. We may not know this, but we will find it to be true as we're traveling through the book of Mark that this is the last miraculous account recorded before the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Prior to this, we know Jesus has healed all kinds of diseases and sicknesses and ailments, and yes, He has already opened blind eyes. We witnessed that in Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. In the ancient world, blindness was fairly common. Some people were born blind and other people became blind because of some type of infection. And medical treatment was fairly primitive, so there wasn't a lot that doctors could do. So it was common for a person to actually become blind. Blindness was so common that there were protections of justice that were written into the Old Testament law and how they were to be protected. We see that in Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy 27, God is always mindful of those that need protection and would require justice, and that means that there were not a lot of social protections or programs or things that would give them what they needed, and so God, by His Word and in His great mercy, wrote that into our law, which you can read about in the Old Testament. In addition to this, the Bible uses the term blindness extensively as a metaphor in reference to the condition of the heart. For example, it can mean things like spiritual dullness. It can mean hard-heartedness. It can refer to apathy. It can refer to pride. But we read it quite a bit. Some passages that you might be aware of is the prophet Isaiah accused the prophets of his day of spiritual blindness, and he said, you are leading people Astray because you are blind. Jesus referred to the religious leaders as blind guides and they were leading blind people and they were living out a law without love. He says this to them multiple times. Jesus referred to those who did not believe in him as blind and those that refused to believe in him as persisting in their darkness. The Apostle Peter spoke of Christians who are not growing, 2 Peter chapter 1, and he talks about how you would add this to this and to this and to brotherly love and kindness. He says you add all of these things to your faith, and at the end of all of these additions where he's talking about a growing Christian, he says those that are not growing in their faith in Christ are blind to what they have received in Jesus people that are not taking hold of what he has done and it's not causing growth in their life are blind. Those are the words that are chosen to be used. The Apostle John said about Christians who do not love people, he said, you walk in darkness. You don't have the light of Christ shining in you and through you. And Jesus rebuked the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation. And he said to them that you do not know that you are poor naked and blind. Check this out. You do not know. You're not even aware that you're actually blind. You think you see, but you really don't. In Mark's gospel, we've seen Jesus use physical realities to teach spiritual principles, and I believe that's what we find here. In fact, the story of blind Bartimaeus is often used not just to talk about Jesus' healing power, but it's used to talk about someone's faith and Jesus' ability to do for them what they cannot do for themselves. Time and again, Jesus stops, and he's using those situations and those interactions of one person being drawn to him that stands out of the crowd, that is willing to do something that other people aren't willing to do. He uses that as an example for those that are standing there, maybe not having the same setback or the same ailment. And he wants to point to that as an example on how it is that we too should approach Jesus. And I think this is one of those things because the word blind means that our vision is obstructed or impaired. It means that we're sightless. It means that we're not able to perceive. Even the dictionary definition of the word blind is not just about physical blindness. It is often and always used for that which we cannot see. And I would tell you today that the Bible calls many of us out, if not all of us out, that we all can have spiritual blindness We can all be blind to things, and Jesus is the one that opens the eyes. So regardless of our physical condition today, we know that we have a healer, and he's got the solution. He is the cure for any kind of blindness that we struggle with today. So let Bartimaeus be an example to you and I in our faith, and with that said, I want to point out a couple observational points from the text. The first one is this, we need, and I mean we, need specific awareness of our blindness look again at verse 46 then they came to Jericho and as he was leaving Jericho his disciples and a large crowd were there and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus the son of Timaeus was sitting by the road now what we see right away is it tells us three things about Bartimaeus first it tells us what he was we know that he's a blind beggar And this means that he's relying on other people to bring him on the side of the road. He's relying on other people to do for him what he cannot do, to provide for him, to care for him. So this is his living reality. It says what he was. It also tells us who he was. It says that his name is Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Now, it's funny because the Hebrew mind would have seen this as a redundancy. Now, just look at the text. It says, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus the word bar would mean son of, and Timaeus would refer to honorable man. So he's the son of an honorable man. His father's name is Timaeus. And so anybody that's Hebrew that read this would say, why does it have to repeat itself? Bar Timaeus, the son of Timaeus. Well, it's to the Greek speaking audience. And so things are clarified often in Mark's gospel that you wouldn't see in the gospel of Matthew where he was, it tells us as well, you could find him on the side of the road begging for alms from travelers. And we know that people were traveling through, there's an old Jericho and there's a new Jericho. The old Jericho we read about in the book of Joshua, and it was pretty much leveled at this point. The new Jericho is where everyone lives, and it's between one and three miles away from each other. So they travel through old Jericho into new Jericho, and then they are 15 miles away from Jerusalem. They would be on the side of the road, blind beggars of any kind with any ailment, asking for alms, because there are travelers that are in groups on their way to Jerusalem, specifically because of the Passover. So this was prime, this was prime land, this was prime territory if you were a beggar, and this is where you would be sat down. And so Bartimaeus was there regularly, and I want to tell you today that he was aware of his physical need. This was his reality. That's not rocket science, but we've got to be mindful of this because he had an advantage over many other people. He lived in the reality that he was blind. How many people do not live in the reality of the blindness that they have because it's not physical? It's not something that he could turn his head away from. It's not something that he could hide. It was no secret. But how many times can we, in whatever blindness that we might have, that we live with, that we act like or even live like, it's not really there. But Bartimaeus has an advantage in that it's physical and he could not keep it as a secret. And so it was right in front of his face every day of his life. And verse 51 says this, Jesus asked him a question. What do you want me to do for you? And you know what? He didn't have to pray about it. He didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to phone any of his friends. He didn't have to ask anybody that was with him. He said, I want to see. He wanted one thing. I want to see. You might remember this from last week's message, but just a few days or maybe even a day before this Interaction with a blind man, Jesus asked the same exact question to his disciples who came to him. And they said, Master, we want you to do for us everything that we ask of you. Do you remember that? James and John. And Jesus says to them what he says to blind Bartimaeus, What do you want me to do for you? And here's what they say We want to sit on your right and we want to sit on your left. We want the seats of honor and we want the seats of power. Notice what James and John wanted and what Bartimaeus wanted. It's considerably different. One is asking for the physical need of their life to be addressed. The other one is asking for honor and to be elevated over other people. One is asking for their physical issue to be healed. The other one is asking for their spiritual blindness to be accommodated. Talk about blindness. You think Mark didn't put this in there for a specific reason? Of all the people that Jesus healed, of all the situations that might have happened on the road, we're talking about 20 miles from where they were, and initially having that conversation to Jerusalem, you think there wasn't another person healed on the road, but he brought this situation up because he wanted his disciples, and he wants us as his disciples to see that we might have some spiritual blindness, asking him for the wrong thing at the wrong time, when there are people out there that have real needs, and he wants wants us to ask with him as he ministers to people that they, those who are in real need, would receive from King Jesus. James and John had a front row seat to what a real need actually, actually was. Have you ever, or you have, but can you remember a time when you gathered for prayer and maybe it was during a service, a Bible study, or some kind of friend group that you have, and it's, it's during that time where we maybe put away our Bibles, and it's prayer time, we need to pray, and we say, hey, what are the prayer needs? And so somebody turns around and asks you, you know, what can I pray for you about? And your answer is, well, you know, I don't know. Or if you're Pentecostal, just pray as the Lord leads, you know, amen, just, <laughs> just however He leads you. And then you, I say back to you, well, He's leading me to ask you. <laughs> amen. He's. <laughs> I feel led to ask you, friend, because I don't know you like that, and I'm not that prophetic most of the time. But I can ask a question. We just say, well, I, I don't know. What do you know? Hey, Amen. What is, what is it that we need Him to heal? What is it that we need Him to touch? Why is it that we so quickly go to the I don't know? Perhaps it's that we don't want to share too openly and vulnerably with people that we just met. That's possible. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. But there are other times where maybe we're not that aware of the needs that we really have. Maybe we're not that in touch with what Jesus is after in our hearts and our lives. We've put it on the shelf for too long, and it's possible that we become insensitive to the things that Jesus wants to transform. Certainly, we want the life that God calls us to. We want to be a part of His plan. We want to enter in and say yes to Jesus no matter what. But sometimes the thing that is in the way of us doing that is the very thing we're not asking Him to change, the eyes that we're not asking Him to open. Bart asked for the healing of his eyes. The disciples asked for something totally different. If Jesus asked you the question, what do you want me to do for you, what would you say? What would you say? What do you want me to do for you? What is the next thing out of our mouth? What is the request that we have? And I want to say to you today that we cannot afford to stay in our spiritual blindness. We cannot afford to stay in our spiritual blindness. Not for us, not for our families, not for our friends, not for our world. We need to have our eyes open and we need to be a part of what Jesus is doing. Amen. Amen. When I was 16 years old, I did what a lot of 16-year-olds do. My daughter just did. Um, I got my driver's license. It's a scary thought. We're all a little worried when that happens, you know, but anyhow, we all made it, I think, for the most part. But I got my driver's license and um, I got forced to take an eye exam because I had no reason to do it before that. I I didn't get my eyes checked. We, We just didn't. So anyways, I got my eyes checked. And I knew, I didn't tell them this at the time, but I barely passed that test. Now at 16, I wasn't interested in telling anybody that fact, okay? I'm just, can I be honest with you today? This is a confessional. (laughs) And so I let it ride, you know, (laughs) like literally, no pun intended. I let it ride. And so for the next several years, I struggled with my eyesight and it just got worse and worse. I don't know if I was hoping it would get better and better, but it didn't. It got worse and worse. And I knew I needed to go to the optometrist. I knew I needed to go see that person, but I just didn't do it. Man, I struggled, and it wasn't until I was about 22 years old. Stop. (laughs) Don't. Talking about your blindness today. Talking about you, friend. Talking about you. I'm letting you judge me for your sake, but... It wasn't until I was about 22 years old and I knew I, you had to renew your driver's license and I knew I wasn't going to pass, so I went to Costco and I sat down there and I, squ- I couldn't see nothing, man. I was like, A, D, E, F, G, did I pass? No. <laughs> eh, no pass. And so my driver's license to this day says that, um, what is it, class B, I have to wear, uh, I have to wear glasses or whatever. But I struggled. My point is I struggled for between 16 to 22 with going into the doctor. And you wanna know why I struggled? Because I didn't want him to tell me what I knew. I knew something was wrong, I just didn't know how bad it was. And I was hoping even when I went in at 22 that he was gonna say, pass. Even though I knew internally it wasn't real, like I have a problem I cannot see. But I pushed it off for six years. Everybody say six years. That's a long time that I was driving on the road. That's too long. But how many times have we done that with our heart? We've been on the road of life for six years, far too long, we know something's wrong, I cannot see, I'm blind and I need to see and Jesus can heal me but I'm not asking, I'm not seeking And I'm not getting transformed as a result of it. Friend, I want to tell you, we got to pull the car over on the side of the road of life and ask Jesus, the optometrist, to open up our blind eyes because he can and he will. And we never know what's on the other end of our blindness. Now we can see. And what might God do when our eyes start to open and we can address the things that we otherwise would not be able to see? Psalm chapter 139 and verse 23, the psalmist writes, Search me thoroughly. Oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see that there is any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Why do we resist? Why do we pause on the transformation and the discipleship process of our lives? Why do we know that there's something bitter when there could be something better and let it stay there? Why do we know there's something prideful or envious or lustful? Or angry, why do we know that it's there and still put it on the shelf and we just keep pushing it it off like it's it's not there or like it's not something God wants to change? God wants to change us, transform us. The psalmist said, Search me thoroughly. What a dangerous prayer that is. Because I guarantee you this when you pray that prayer, He's going to search you thoroughly. I mean, you could just imagine the gloves. The second part of this that I think is profound is we need faith and persistence for our healing. Look at verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet. They were rebuking him. Modern day, this would be equivalent to saying, shut up. But we have kids here today. So we're going to say sternly be quiet but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So it's clear here that the word about Jesus was spreading, but notice how it was told to Bartimaeus that Jesus the Nazarene was walking on that road. That's how they referred to him, Jesus the Nazarene. Everyone heard the news, but when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was walking by, he did something that is notable and is recorded in the scriptures. The Bible says that he began to cry out. This word literally means that he began to scream. And here's what he was screaming. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And this you may not You may not be mindful of what it means, but son of David from the Old Testament is a messianic title. He is not referring to Jesus as just the man from Nazareth. He is not Jesus the Nazarene. He is Jesus the son of God. And isn't it powerful that a blind man can see something that no one else can? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He is crying out with faith to the one that can do something about his condition. You wanna know what faith looks like. It looks like a man who can't see what other people can see naturally, but spiritually, he certainly can. And he uses his words to cry out to God in the midst of that. And I think it's profound to me. Bartimaeus heard that Jesus opened blind eyes before, and the Old Testament says about the Messiah that he is the one that will open blind eyes. I didn't have time to research every passage, but I found at least two where it specifically says that the Messiah will open blind eyes. Perhaps this is what Bartimaeus was thinking about, that he must be the Messiah because I know that he opened blind eyes before. And only a blind man would be thinking about this because those passages would be committed to memory. Those passages would not be lost on him. He would remember, doesn't the Old Testament say that the Messiah is going to open blind eyes And everybody that can physically see wouldn't even think about it because they don't have to live in that darkness that he lives in. But he's holding on to that promise. He's not just a man from Nazareth. He's somebody that can do something about my condition. He heard that he opened blind eyes. So he lets out his scream to the only one who can save, heal, and deliver. He had to scream loudly so that Jesus could hear him over the crowd. He had to scream repeatedly so that he could catch Jesus at the right place on the road because he couldn't see where he physically was. He had to scream with persistence because he was told by so many other people various times to be quiet. He was sternly warned to be silent. Or shall we say, I wasn't going to say it, Thelsen. You see faith, you see persistence. He had to fight against the inner shame that voice that told him, I'm just a beggar. I'm just a nobody. I'm just a blind man. I'm just somebody that others take care of. I'm a nobody. Jesus won't stop for me. He had to fight against that voice inside of him. He had to fight against the outer shame where people validated his inner voice. You're just a beggar. Be quiet. Nobody cares about you. And isn't it interesting that nobody cared that a blind man would cry out to other people for his sustenance of life, but they all of a sudden had a problem when he cried out for Jesus that he would touch his life. Isn't it amazing? I don't have a problem that you're a beggar and you ask for food and money because that's what beggars do. But the minute you start saying son of David, the minute you start calling out to him and you rightly identify who Jesus is, now all of a sudden we've got a problem with you crying out. You go ahead and cry out for pity for your situation. But when you start praying, you start crying out for healing and deliverance, to Jesus and you name him in a way that nobody else will name him why other people didn't want to name him as son of David or Messiah or the Christ because it was a politically dangerous thing to say perhaps there are Roman guards around and this this would have been alarming what who's the Messiah the Christ what are we talking about here there would have been people who would have thought that and then there are religious leaders that would have thought it was blasphemy why are you calling him the Christ but the blind man didn't care The disciples were probably afraid to even say that publicly and out loud. But this guy is screaming, son of David, you're the Christ. Jesus didn't stop him. Jesus didn't tell anybody else to tell him to be quiet. But here's what we know. His limitations did not determine his expectations. He cried out to Jesus in the face of opposition. And isn't it true that sometimes we allow our limitations, whatever they might be, to stop our expectations and putting our faith in a true, holy, all-powerful, all-knowing God. See, this is the kind of faith that is profound and it is faith that is rare and it's worthy of our example today. It's why we're reading about it. It's why it's written into the scriptures. Pastor Ben, are you telling me that I need to learn how to scream to God? I'm not talking about you screaming. I'm saying what the scream reveals. And whatever it reveals is what we all need to participate in. See, Jesus healed a leper in Mark 1. He healed a lame man in Mark 2. He healed a man with a withered hand in Mark 3. He healed a woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5. And he healed another blind man in Mark 8. And everyone in the crowd knew that Jesus did this, and some even happened to be fortunate enough to see it. And Bart did not get to see it, but he did hear about it, and he did what nobody else did in response to it. He's the one that cried out. He's the one that said, son of David. He's the one that said, heal me, when everybody else just stood around and even tried to get him to be quiet. No, friend, we're on a silent journey to Jerusalem. Be silent, but this man would do no such thing, and it shows the persistence of this person. Well, this isn't the only time that we read about a scream. You might remember another story about Jericho and Joshua in chapter 6. And it's a strange story, I just gotta admit to you. Joshua is now the leader of Israel and he leads them across the river and now they're facing Jericho and they're going into the promised land and Jericho is the stronghold that is set before them before they inherit the promised land. Little did they know they would have about 50 wars to inherit the promised land. (laughs) 50 battles in front of them. They probably didn't know that. I don't know how prepared they were for that. But Jericho was that one. It was this great walled city. I mean, it was just a monument to the strength of man. The walls were 18 feet thick of rock. I mean, this truly was a stronghold. And God says to Joshua, I want you to lead the people up to Jericho and I'm gonna give you a great plan and it's gonna make you feel totally uncomfortable. Here's what I want you to do. For six days, I want you to march around and I want the priest to be first. That was not a great day for the priest. I want you to march around one time. Everybody say one time. One time. And they would be rejoicing and there would be worship and there would be music and they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They march around one time, one time for six days. But he said, but on the seventh day. (laughs) The seventh day is going to be a Pentecostal stravaganza. On the seventh day, here's what I want you to do. I want you to march around seven times, six times just the same. But on the seventh time, I want those trumpeteers to get ready. I want them to... And then I want them to blow the trumpet as loud as they can. And when they do that, I want everybody in your camp to shout. I can imagine Joshua saying, come again? It sounds climactic when I read it to you because you already know the story. But think if you didn't know the story. You want us to walk around 18-foot thick walls while they're literally watching us? There's a VeggieTales story that shows what that's like. Have you seen it? There's like throwing stuff at them and making fun of them. I want you to walk around once a day, and then I want, I want you on the seventh day. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to blow the trumpet, and I want you to shout. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cause the walls to crumble. That doesn't happen, God. I know it doesn't happen. But here's what you don't know. I can take a shout, I can take a shout of obedience. I can take a shout of faith. And I can crumble walls, literal strongholds. I can heal the blind. Desperate cries open blind eyes. Come on, I just made that up. There you go. And I'll tell you what, that's what it's about. It's not about a scream. It's not about a cry. It's not about a shout. It's about people being desperate. And they're coming to the one that can do something about what they are facing. God can do anything at any time, and, and here's the word. I have a prophetic word today, and, and I want to share this with you. I, I believe the Lord's going to break some strongholds in your life, and perhaps it's an issue that you've been facing for a long time, and you've prayed, and maybe you've cried real tears, and you've asked God, and you've had faith, and friend, I want to tell you, persist in your faith, not just for persistence sake, not just because that's who we are. We're just people that hold on. It's because of who God is. That's why we do what we do. It's not because of who we are. It's not because of something that we just do. Well, I just got to do this because I'm a Christian. It's because God is almighty. He's all powerful and he can do it. And we don't know when he's going to do it. And so we lay hold of him as often as we can in whatever way that we can. That's what it's about. God would lead us to a life where there would be no other life except to lay hold of him. And so if you're struggling with something, whatever it is, put all your faith in him. Put all your faith in him and abandon everything else. Abandon abandon everything else but him, but Jesus. That's all we have. How are you responding to the challenging voices that are seeking your silence when you need a touch from God? The answer is, cannot be that we don't have those voices because we do. We all do. We all have those issues and we all have those voices. And here's the reality is some of you, there might be two out of five of you today that you really need God today. I don't know if it's five out of five, but it might be two out of five. I mean, we all really need God, but there might, co- there might be two out of five of us today. You, re- you came today, and I'm talking to you right now. You really need God. And the rest of you are like, well, Ben, I'm doing pretty good. Go buy the CD, all right? You, because you're going to need it. Or download the podcast. Save it. Bookmark it. You understand? It's easy to kind of just gloss over and say, well, that's not me today. It might be you tomorrow. Bartimaeus might be a great example for you next week. You say, well, right now I'm doing pretty good. Well, pretty good ain't gonna be that good at some point in our lives because things keep happening. We live in a broken world with broken people and we just happen to be one of them, but Jesus, by his grace, is redeeming and restoring all things. The third part of this is we need need complete trust in our healer. Look at verse 50, and Jesus stopped. Now, I wanna make a lot about that, but I gotta move on. Jesus stopped and he said, call him here. So they called the blind man saying to him, now they changed their tune because Jesus spoke. That's what happens when Jesus speaks and people know it, they change their tune. So you just wait for him to speak. Take courage and stand up. He is calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and he came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. Here, just plain English. I want to see I want to see and I've always wanted to see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. The cry of Bartimaeus reached the ears of Jesus and Jesus stopped and he called for him to come. Can you imagine what rushed into his heart the minute that he learned Jesus heard him? The minute that he learned Jesus heard him and people are like, oh, 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 wait a minute, he stopped for you. And he's calling you to come. What must have rushed into his heart? He heard me. He wants me to come. It would have changed his life. That's all that, that's all that mattered to him right there. This rushed into him. So it says he threw his cloak aside and he jumped up and he ran to G- I don't know what that looked like. I think it looked kind of messy, to be honest with you. Now, this is an important piece of information because the cloak of a blind man was a coat by day and it was a covering by night. And a blind person does not just throw their cloak because they're not going to be able to find it later. This is not something that you do. This is an important piece of clothing. This is an important thing that you own. You do not throw off your cloak. What it's saying is, I don't need this anymore. That's what he's saying. I don't need this anymore. That's faith right there. Oh my gosh. I'm not telling you to throw some of your stuff away today. Every now and again, a person will hear me wrong. They'll take their medication and throw it away. Talk to your doctor, amen? Don't, 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 don't go that far right now. I'm not trying to get you emotional. It's happened before. I've had to help people, you know. But he had faith, faith that's commendable, faith that's observable. I've told you this story before. You don't remember it, so I'm going to tell you again. And many of you are new anyway, so it's like, oh, I could rehash that. That's great. Uh, But aren't you thankful that stories keep continuing because we live life with God? So I won't keep rehashing all my old stories with you, but today's the day. (laughs) I uh, went through a physical transformation at some point on two occasions. So I I decided I gained a lot of weight, um, which, you know, some of us do. We we struggle with weight. So I've had that struggle. I've been open about that. I've got no shame. Uh, So anyways, I I was uh, about 50, 60 pounds heavier than I am today. And, uh, and so I just decided. I don't know what it was, but I was like, I just need to lose weight. So uh, I lost 20, and then I lost another 20. And how many of you know you plateau? And some of you don't. So don't say yes, because you don't. Okay? You were, you were born with a natural incinerator. And we love you, but we judge you most of the time. <laughs> All right? It's not your fault. God gave that to you. So I, I, I did that. I plateaued, and then... I lost 40 pounds the first go, and then I lost another 20, uh, which was hard, really hard. That was really hard. But the first time when I lost the 40 pounds, my wedding ring, it just, I remember going into a pool, and I lost it. Like, it didn't fit anymore. Anybody ever had that, right? So it can go up or down, and, and thankfully, your wedding ring, it was a, I had a gold ring at that time. I, I, I don't, this is just a $20 ring now, but uh, I don't mind telling you, it's fine. I'll tell you where I got it if you want Amazon.com, maybe. All right. (laughs) I don't know where it came from, but it it works. Um, So I had a nice ring and and I was bummed. So I went to the jeweler and I said, hey, I got to get this size down. And no joke, the guy like literally, I mean, had just no manners at all. He said, well, hey, what about like thinking about if you gain the weight back? I'm like, sir, this is not (laughs) how you grow your business at all. This is not like you know my loss is your gain and my gain is your gain <laughs> you know what i mean like it doesn't really make sense to argue with me there but so he did he argued he actually did he argued with me he said i don't think you should do this because maybe you should hold on to it and then if you gain if you gain the weight back and i said sir i'm not gaining the weight back sir i'm not coming back here that's for sure but i'm not gaining the weight back man There's no turning back for me. You know, I had to like, I felt like I had to stand up for myself and put a foot down and say, sir, there's no going back. And you know, that story just reminds me of how we ought to be as well. And It reminds me of Bartimaeus. Sometimes you got to throw something off and there's no going back. And God calls us to that at times in our life. He wants us to have the kind of faith where we abandon the things that were comfort and convenience for us back then because he's calling us into more. It might be time to jump up and throw aside the cloak and say, God, I want you to do what only you can do. Friend, there are times that's what we gotta do. And God draws our hearts to come to him and we say there's no turning back. When we put our faith, our, faith, our full trust in Jesus, it just requires us to cast off past things. Jesus didn't say to Bartimaeus, do you want to be healed? Did you notice that? He doesn't say to him, do you want to be healed? He didn't say to him, do you want me to heal your blindness? He asked him the question. He asked the blind man the question, what do you want me to do? Shouldn't it be obvious? But Jesus didn't, didn't define him by his disability. I think that's a powerful point. Jesus didn't define him by his disability. He let him speak for himself. What do you want me to do for you? And he says, I want to see. I want you to tell me what you want. Jesus is our hope, and we need to throw off these comforts, these things that we often need to abandon. If we really want to see, and friend, that's all of us, if we really want healing for our blindness, I want to tell you something. God has that healing for us. But he's drawing our hearts to get up, to speak up, to run up. And that's exactly what Bartimaeus did. He said, I want to see. And he said, go, your faith has made you well. You know, one of the most powerful parts of this story to me, it is this. The first thing that Bartimaeus saw when his eyes were opened was Jesus. That's the first thing he saw. And isn't that true of our spiritual life? It's that when we cry out to God, we finally recognize I'm a sinner and I have sin in my life and I need something and someone greater than me to do something about my condition. The minute that we recognize that and we ask Jesus, the only Savior, the Savior, the only one that exists, when we ask him to open our eyes, to heal our hearts, and he opens our eyes, the first thing that we see is Jesus, the beautiful one. And there is nothing more beautiful to see than Jesus. And the next verse tells us this. It says, and he began to follow him on the road. Of course he did. (laughs) There's nothing else. This is the one that I wanted to see. He didn't just, friend, what if he got to a point where he realized, I don't just want to see, but I want to see Jesus. I don't just want to see stuff and things as much as that could sell, as much as that's important, as much as we want people to see mountains and skies and sunsets and all of the beautiful things, there's nothing more beautiful than Jesus. Why else would you want to see? Think about this. He's the one that we're following. Amen? He's on the way to the cross. He's maybe a week or two away. Palm Sunday is right around the corner. We're going to study that next week. His body is starting to anticipate the pain of the cross. I can imagine there was a tremble in him as he knew what was coming. He knew the torture that was set before him. Jesus understood what they were going to do to his physical body. And he's walking on the road to his death. His heart, his mind is starting to anticipate the betrayal. Yeah, he's with his disciples, but he knows they're all going to walk away. Every smile that he sees on their face as they walk for those two weeks, he knows, listen, 20 miles from now, none of you guys are going to be standing next to me. His heart is anticipating the betrayal. His body is anticipating the pain. All of that is happening. And here's one blind guy. There could have been hundreds. There could have been dozens of blind guys just sitting on the road asking for money. There could have been all of that. But Jesus stops for this one guy who decided with whatever faith that he had to cry out, to scream for Jesus to do what no one else could do. He stopped in the middle of his anticipation of what was coming. It would seem like the most important time to do whatever was urgent and whatever was important to him. And he shows us that this is what's important to me. And if that doesn't tell us that whatever we're facing is important to him, I don't know what else can. That he would stop in a moment like that. We're talking about our Savior, the all-knowing, the all-powerful, the all-loving, the almighty one. We're talking about the most important one who would find it important to stop for one. But he's always asking us this question, what do you want me to do for you? And the question that I have for you today is what is your answer to that question from Jesus? Because friend, he's always asking that question to us. We are being transformed into his likeness from glory to glory, one day after the other. And the answer cannot be, I don't know. The answer can't be, I'm not sure. The answer must be something specific. Search me, oh God, and if you find any wicked way in me, would you deliver me from that? Would you heal my blind eyes? Would you do what I couldn't do for myself? I love the fact that salvation, the way that we come to Christ, is the way that we are called to remain in Christ. He doesn't call us to come to Him because we needed Him then, and all of a sudden we don't need Him now. We need Him every day. We need Him every day. We need Him for everything. He does not call us to a life of obedience as much as He calls us to a life of dependence. He's calling us to a life of dependence, to rely upon him. We don't just need him for some things. We need him for everything. Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do anything. And he wants to teach us that lesson again and again and again. Friend, have you learned that lesson yet? We got to rely on Jesus, depend on Jesus. We need Jesus. With every eye closed and head bowed, I want to close here today. We just honor that. He's in the healing business. He wants to touch our life. Do you need a healing today? Do you need freedom today? Maybe you need a second wind of faith because you're discouraged. Maybe you just need God to do something and you've got no words to articulate it. And No matter what I said, you couldn't say yes because you're not even sure what you would say. You don't even know. Maybe we start with this. We ask Jesus to help us to see what we're not even aware of that we need, to help, we need help with. Amen. We start there. Give me eyes to see what I need healing for because I can't see. Not from the beginning or the end. I can't see. Lord, help me today. If you're here today and you don't know that you're saved, that you're forgiven of your sins, that you're in right relationship with God, the gospel is this. Jesus came and died for us in our place for the forgiveness of sins because all of us are going to die, one day stand before God, and our righteousness without him, it's not good enough. In our disobedience, we walked away from God, but Jesus came to provide a way to the Father in relationship with him. That's what the cross is all about, it's to forgive us for sins. Many of us, all of, a lot of us know that here today. But we need to be forgiven to have a relationship with God. And when we have a relationship with God, it's eternal. It's never ending. And Jesus says, though you die, yet shall you live. Even when we die, we go to be with, with God. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, But you want to start that. I just want to start by asking you to raise your hand today. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor Ben, I need to start a relationship with Jesus. And I I acknowledge that today. I want you to pray for me. Just raise your hand. Go ahead. I just want to see it. If there's anybody in the room. Okay, I see you guys. Yep. There's three of you. Four. Is there anybody else? Yeah, I see you. I want to have a relationship with Jesus, be forgiven, be eternally set free with him forever. All right, for the rest of you, will you stand? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Those that raise their hand, would you do this? And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If you meant it and you want a relationship with Jesus and you know you don't have one, I want you to come up after the service. We have our pastors and a few prayer ministers will be available. And I want you to tell them, I I was raising my hand. I want... I want to know and walk with Jesus Christ for the rest of my life. And I just want you to pray with me. I want you to come forward after the service, and we'll do that. But for the rest of us, let's just pray. Father, we thank you today, and we come in the name of Jesus, and we ask you, Lord, for your healing power. I pray over our church today, anybody that needs physical healing, as we brought it up, Lord, I pray that you would demonstrate your power among us, that you are able to do above and beyond What we could ask, think, hope, or imagine. So come in this time and heal our physical bodies. And Lord, I pray too that if there's anybody that's being plagued with something in their soul, there's turmoil. It's just churning. And Lord, we need that faith like Bartimaeus. I pray that Lord, you would give us great faith today. And that perhaps we get a second wind to believe you and to lay hold of you. And that whatever a scream means to us, we would shout and we would watch these walls fall down. We would shout and we would hear that you're calling us to yourself. Lord, we would shout, whatever it means to us, whether it's loud or it's quiet, doesn't matter. But just in faith, we would respond to you. Give us the faith to respond to you. And some of us give us the faith to respond to you again, again. We've done it before, but we need to do it again to come to you. And I pray for fresh encouragement, rivers of encouragement over us today. Bring to life dead things. That's what the Lord is saying today. He's going to bring to life something that has died. There's some dead things and he's going to bring them to life. We prophesy life. We thank you, Lord. You are the way, the truth, and the life the resurrection and the life. We pray that you would breathe life, spiritual life over us, that our eyes would open and we would behold you and see you as the most beautiful thing that we could see. We love you. We put all of our trust and faith in you today. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said amen, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, Go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church.